0: don't know this, then you're behind the times. The
1: only metric that matters is convenience.
0: Rules apply to you, suddenly you're an advertiser buying space. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo.
1: And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world.
0: On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds...
1: Our brains produce enough data to stream four HD movies every second. The problem is that the best way we have to get information out into the world is speech, and that can only transmit about the same amount of data as a 1980s modem. We sat down for another episode of Breaking Social, this time covering all the top social media stories to come out of July.
0: Yes, a massive Netflix documentary has come out about Facebook, but have the data implications really affected it? We covered that, and also all the Q2 earnings for Snapchat, Twitter, and also Instagram, which has just released a new bank of features, including a sticker and a new upcoming filter. The point of difference, again, is those niches. And, you know, as we know with internet culture, it is the the land of niches.
1: Oh, there's some more coming up.
0: Eve, we're back. Hello. It's uh, August. <laughs> August, wow. Oh my God, where, where is it already? Right? Yeah, happen? it's the yeah, first today. It's mad. Um, and yet again, a lot has happened in the world of social over the past month. Mm. I think more so than recent months, actually. Because yeah. I think we had that, you know, F8 and then we sort of had that gap and that was Q2 time yeah. and whatnot. Um, and there's also the news that we're coming up to a year of doing this podcast. now. Yeah. Well, Eve, I'd say in that time, we've, you know, we've become real friends, I'd say. And I'll you tell you who else really has become joke, real okay. friends. Snapchats, 70 Snapchatters who joined together recently for a campaign that went... You're still reading from my my yeah, segue, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I should stop making uh, these jokes. No, that me, was yeah. actually
1: quite good.
0: Right. Uh, well, so, I mean, big news. Snapchat, they've come out with this new... I mean, days after launching their Q2 uh, results, they've mm. come out with this big ad campaign... Um, that's gone everywhere, especially what's quite funny about this is uh, they did a Instagram hashtag takeover. So talk about you know sort of throwing a swipe at those guys. Yeah, um, that's
1: what that's what I found strange about it—the fact they decided to take to Instagram and they thought, hey, if you can't beat them, join them, and they'll just leverage the power that they have to further their own agenda, which is quite clever in a way.
0: It's the ultimate fu, isn't it? And yeah. I, I I absolutely love that. So I mean, to, to shed some context about it, if you've not seen the campaign yet, go and watch it. It's uh, Snapchat basically with this video. It, it sort of starts by its two friends you know in this kind of mobile screen world and they're sort of saying how they've come together through Snapchat and the weird quirks they've got like it's all the things like sending mates like facial filters Mm. and all the rest of it and um, I guess uh, yeah they use 70 Snapchat chatters from 12 different countries and the resounding sort of theme around this is that Snapchat is your place for these genuine connections these genuine friendships and I thought it was a good campaign. Yeah, came from uh, the CMO um, Kenny. Can't remember his last name. Kenny Mitchell. Kenny Mitchell. That's the one. Yeah, Yeah,
1: previously of McDonald's.
0: Yeah. So, and I I, I mean, I'm surprised in learning that it was their first ad campaign. Yeah. Really, first like TV spot and whatnot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, they've like since they hired um, Kenny, they've been trying to do like a big push. Like they put out that friendship report um, under him as well, and I think like they are trying. I actually thought the Real Friends video was a little bit. Cheesy for my liking, but it's very American. Between
0: places, yeah. Yeah,
1: but like obviously, like you said, they are really trying to position themselves as this place for genuine connections. Which you think, oh well, Facebook's been trying to do that with the whole meaningful interactions thing, Mm. but with Snapchat, Mm. it is actually genuine. Like it's not something they're trying to engineer. Yeah, Snapchat's one of the only platforms maybe the only platform that doesn't have any vanity metrics because everything's um, ephemeral yeah. uh, so you can't like something there's no sort of judging um, on that sense of things but um yeah no I thought I thought it, I thought it was a good campaign but yeah you can see the trends that they're, uh, bringing out with the friendship report as well, which is basically, if you haven't downloaded it, like it's free to download, There's some really interesting insights in there about um, the differences between all the different generations and how they view friendship and mm. then how that sort of mm. comes into play with the way they're using different social platforms uh, and their online behavior in general. So it just goes to show Snapchat focusing on friendship as a whole and the fact that they are this place to... You know, make make those meaningful connections.
0: Definitely, Gen Gen Z definitely, and we talked about this, you know, a lot before. Gen Z sees Snapchat, in my opinion, as this safe space where you can be yourself. Yeah. There's no, th- there's not that Instagram stigma attached to it where you've yeah. got to live your no best pressure. life. There's not the professionalness of LinkedIn where you've got to be this specific person. Yeah. So that really taps into that. And I mean, I don't even use Snapchat, but I could see how this campaign. Would resonate with a lot of yeah. people. I
1: think it's clever. Like they, they know what makes them unique, and instead of trying to compete with Instagram, which let's face it, they're not gonna do at the same calibre. That mm. they're just not mm. gonna. Like it's, it's a much more appropriate move for them to sort of do what they do best, but just do it really well.
0: This follows on the back of a few other things as well because you've uh, just got Instant Create, which they've just launched. So mm. this is Snapchat's play to kind of, I think, raise a bit of ad money. So they've 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 launched this new uh, service, which is gonna, which promises to make advertisers uh, make vertical ads in three easy steps. Mm. So it completely simplifies the process uh, from what it was to create these ads. And this comes on the back of like we say those Q two earnings. Mm. So they didn't post a profit. The losses they made a loss this year to two hundred and fifty five million dollars, yeah. but that's below fifty million dollars the fifty million dollars that Wall Street predicted yeah. that they'd lose. And it's below from the three hundred, you know, gone before. So yeah. this I mean, this seems like it holds a bit of weight you know, in, in attracting advertiser interest.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a few things to unpick there. So for me, Snapchat had a lot of making up to do since its big redesign. Um, that It didn't just put advertisers off because they were already slow to adopt Snapchat, really. It put users off. Um, so the reason that they did that big redesign was because Snapchat was um, regarded as being quite difficult to use especially from advertiser perspective Um, so they did they made that big change in order to simplify it that obviously backfired they lost a lot of users in doing so so this um, this recent push uh, you know focusing on the users and friendship and saying you know this is the friendly place that's them getting users back and yet They have seen a bit of a dip in profit as a result because Mm. they haven't been focused on advertisers. Mm. But now they've earned 13 million new users um, as their Q2 uh, earnings report started.
0: 203 million active users now, yeah. I believe, haven't yeah. they, with, with, so, with that launch?
1: Yeah, so now that they've got those, I think Instant Creator, they only announced it um, yesterday, I think. Mm. Um, That is for advertisers, obviously, and that's saying, look, we know that you've always thought we were difficult to use, but, you know, you can't go wrong with this. It is three simple steps, and hopefully if they can keep those users up, and then this is a way for advertisers to start using the platform more. They can bring their profit up as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. We always compare it to Instagram and Facebook. But if you see, Facebook's got like one point five six billion. It's
0: stratospheric compared, yeah. and it's Instagram one, it's 1 like billion. Two billion or whatever, you know, it's yeah. gonna be. I
1: don't. I don't think we should be trying to com- compare Snapchat no. with Instagram and Facebook because I don't think any platform is gonna make it to the same um, like status as yeah. Facebook's platforms, yeah. it just can't get that big. Just look at Twitter, like Twitter doesn't try and compete with that. No. It knows it's USP and it just, it just follows its own path and it does well for doing that.
0: My my personal opinion on Snapchat, and this is a view I've held for a long time, is that there are, ba- there's bags of potential there for somebody who's prepared to unpick it, for somebody who's prepared to work with creators, for a brand that's really, you know, willing to get to grips with that ecosystem. And I feel that Instagram, as we head closer and closer to that saturation point, to it changing and the vanity metrics. Snapchat's definitely a place to look at, I think, for mm. especially that teen attention and that Gen Z attention. They've not gone after the older demographics because I think it would then become something very different. Mm. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. And I think there always has been. Mm. But it's interesting to see. Mm that we'd never hear about it, you know, spoken of in the same light as Instagram yeah. and, you know, so on and so forth. But it's, so.
1: it's not as big in the UK as it is in the US. But I always say, like, there's a reason that teenagers, in particular in America, haven't strayed that much. There's a reason they still love it. Yeah. And it must, it must be because it is... It's still like, like we said, like a, a fun, safe space. Yeah. And actually what made me laugh is, um, so you know in the UK, our version was Jeremy Corbyn when he was doing his campaign. It's yeah. he heavily Snapchat focused because yeah. they know that's where the younger audience is. And now Joe Biden's done the same. Just
0: saw this. Did you yeah, see? He made a big yeah. announcement like,
1: guess what guys, I'm on Snapchat. And everyone's like, oh, here's Uncle Joe. <laughs> He's walking well, around one one kids.
0: isn't he? And yeah. all the rest of it. And- yeah.
1: But, you know, he wouldn't do that. His team wouldn't recommend that if there wasn't due cause.
0: There wasn't something to be there. Absolutely. Let's move on to Facebook. Now, this is, um, I mean... People, a lot of people listening to this will know that we do the daily WhatsApp. And this is one that I saw, which are kind of, you know, made me sort of fall off my chair a bit. It was a bit of a, oh, you know. Um, Facebook, the news that the uh, like widget. So whenever you go on a website, you'll see a widget there uh, for a business. So it could be, you know, your local mechanics or whatever. And it invites you to like this page. Now, fa- now it's sorry, the EU government have made a landmark rule in that says... That that widget, that Facebook like widget, like our page that appears on websites, is now protected under GDPR, which I had to look up the abbreviation for this because we talk about GDPR for so long. The general data protection regulation, mm. uh, which has caused a massive headache for a lot of marketers, but it's probably something good in the long run. <laughs> but uh, this is this is a big story because I mean, you know, as you've rightly said before, Facebook is you know, it relies on this widget in terms of visibility. Likes are obviously a great way to uh, track data. And, you know, it's it can be a a great sort of marketing tool for, you know, businesses and smaller businesses yeah. like our page, you know, and, and we'll have the widget on our website. Yeah.
1: I think that's what makes it such a valuable asset to Facebook is that for a business, yeah, it's something like so simple it just flies under the radar like it is helpful for them. Yeah. they put it on the website and they think, oh, look, it's an easy way for us to get extra engagement um, you know, we're just putting it on our website. But for Facebook, and it's something I didn't even, I sort of knew, but yeah. didn't realize the extent, like the scale of it until I was reading about this story. Basically Facebook's like button is one of the easiest ways it can collect data from a user. Mm. You go around liking everything, that's it building up um, a persona on you, and it's that's a really easy way um, that it can do that. So the fact that you can go on another website and do, use that like button, no matter what you're liking, that is then feeding information back to Facebook. Yeah. So without realizing it, these businesses that are using the widgets are being sort of complicit in the selling of that user's data, yeah. Um, yeah. which is why, like, rightly so now, it's under GDPR, but for businesses that want to continue using the widgets on their websites as I understand it to get away with not being fined or what have you they'll just need to put a disclaimer on it and make sure it's an opt-in opt-out system Um, and yeah Yeah. just make people aware and so that they can consent
0: I did read in a few places though that GDPR it seems to have this kind of uh, it's this sort of reputation of being a headache attached to it, yeah. and it was uh, you know one of the articles that I was reading was saying, you know, are, are people are going to go for the trouble now to sort of get to grips with GDPR because well mm. it might just be a consent box. This, there's a lot of loopholes and sort of like, you know, areas of this as well that yeah. could kind of potentially get you in a bit of hot water and stuff. Yeah. It's uh, my, my question to you probably and to anybody sort of watching or listening to this podcast would be, does anybody, you know, do you look at your own user behavior and do you like pages like you used to. So I can remember when I first got Facebook in, say, 2009, you'd be liking everything and everything to tell people about yourself. (laughs) And that probably carried on for a while. But nowadays, with the focus on data and everything that we know about what we know, I get a feeling that people are a lot more weary about liking about hitting that like button, even taking a double take, because they know, as you've said, that is a way of you know, capturing your data and one of the easiest, laziest ways to do it. Mm. So I'd be interested to see what percentage of people still hit like buttons and yeah. likes on widgets and stuff and That is
1: that is interesting. I can't say I don't really like pages anymore these days because you're right I think they had their heyday but I don't I don't know if I'd tie that to being aware that it's a, a data thing I think for liking pages it just kind of lost its popularity slightly but mm. even some of these widgets like some of them it's not just a like button it's like shares and what have you some of them will have like um like similar to an RSS feed of their mm. content on the website so it'll be like um you're like liking a post um and not and not just a page um but yeah I Going back to what you said about GDPR being a bit of a headache for people. I think it it's mad to think yeah, it's a massive job, but that is because so much of like every single action that we can take online and like everything that we that we interact with, that we like click on and what have you. It's all like little bits of data mm, so mm, that to me if anything just highlighted the scale of how much and how often we're giving our data away yeah, yeah. and you didn't even realize it until marketers had to take a step back and undo it and add an opt-in opt-out to every little thing yeah and it was a massive job because it's it's literally everything which i think is something that people severely underestimate
0: we, st- we still refer to it as a digital footprint, and it's becoming more of a digital sort of marathon now, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah. You could just sort of see a trail of data that you leave online. And this is – now, I've not actually watched the popular Netflix documentary that's out at the moment, The Great Hack. believe you have, haven't you? It is
1: mind-blowing. I imagine
0: a lot of people listening will have, listen, you know, probably heard, heard and watched it by now as well. Yeah. So what did, what, I mean, what did you take away from that? I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to know. I
1: mean, what what surprised me the most, like it, it's interesting to like get some of the inside opinions on on what happened from, they have a lot of people from Cambridge Analytica speaking out about it and they sort of put the focus on them rather than on Facebook, which made me a bit sceptical from the off because obviously you know that Facebook's involvement in it um, was, was you know, massive. Um, but going after, so after that documentary, I was looking into a podcast earlier, and if you haven't watched The Great Hack, go watch it, it's so interesting. But there is a podcast by um, the publisher Recode, so they have a podcast called Recode Decode, and they brought one out um, after The Great Hack, and they've got on the director of the documentary and Cambridge Analytica's old COO, um, and they're sort of, you know, going over it, and he's had a chance to have his say because he wasn't in the documentary, and he basically said that there was always going to be a Cambridge Analytica. It just, like, sucks for me that it was Cambridge Analytica that was mm. the company. But it was because of the way that Facebook was running that whole system that it was always going to happen. You know, it just so happened to be there. So, yeah, like, super, super interesting, but it will absolutely blow your mind. Ollie actually said that after he watched it, he went back on Facebook and sort of, like, purged his, um, like, data history of everything, like, he, he'd liked. He, like, cleared out his, like, likes bank.
0: It is interesting because, as well, when, you know, whenever we think of it, we think of data being weaponised and especially in, you know, the two elections that we've seen, it definitely was that. It it intrigues me how much people know one and how receptive people are to these sort of advertising, you know, niche adverts that are targeted directly yeah. at you. And, you know, I imagine some more so than others. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all sort of come at once for Facebook, hasn't it? Because as well as that, they were slapped with this five billion uh, dollar fine from the FTC for uh, basically misguiding people, uh, misusing information, the FTC said. And on the back of that, Facebook have actually gone away and said that they are going to make a new department for privacy and data protection and all the rest of it. So... But I mean, five billion. I mean, to, well, to me, I, I don't think I'll ever see five billion dollars in my life. You know, being realistic, <laughs> never say never. But never. exactly. Yeah, you know, if if, if, uh, if this podcast all keeps going the way it is, we <laughs> it might be it right. Down you know, to you your might reviews, be close. That's right, yeah, it a <laughs> exactly. Yeah, five stars away <laughs> yeah. from my first million, guys. Um, but no, that like you know, you rightfully said this is pocket change to Facebook, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And the what always interests me with these data scandals is the kind of reputational damage it doesn't last for years anymore it lasts for days it seems and yeah. while we know you know there's a lot to be said there
1: so the life cycle of any story on social this seems to be taking the same effect it you know it's it's news for a day and then tomorrow yeah. you forget about it until so you know some people bring it out every time the next scandal comes back around but you know like on the on this podcast they they made a really good point and it's we don't know whether or not. It's the fact that we're just not learning from these mistakes or it's there's still an education piece to be had or are we yeah. just, you know, are we just not bothered? And um, so Cambridge Analytica's old COO actually said, you know, some of the regulators don't even have the terminology to describe the problems that we're facing. Like, that's how new it is. Mm. Um, yeah, like that FTC fine, it was the biggest fine they've ever handed out to Facebook. It's like the equivalent of a parking ticket, you know, a slap yeah, on the wrist and then they yeah. can just move on.
0: Yeah, often their earnings were however many times... They're yeah. in Q2 uh, um, many it's, times more. Yeah, but, so their Q2
1: results uh, show that it's growing its revenue by 28% year on year, which is massive. Like, it's not even put a dent in that for them.
0: I mean, if, if we're being super, super transparent about this, you know, with with data and, you know, data, we need to, like, make distinguish in factor that not all data is bad and weaponized, You know, yeah. uh, the Facebook, there are these uh, sort of ethics that surround Facebook's relationship with data. But you're right. I think the problem here is that we've not really found a way to uh, kind of rationalise what the problem is, yeah. you know, if there is a problem as you know, because you can walk out on the street and say, is your data being weaponized against you? you know, and until that's happened mm. to you, you don't know. and there's there doesn't seem to be any real statute or precedent that's happened for us to say yeah. that. So it's yeah
1: definitely. feels like
0: an abstract idea at the moment. I mean yeah. whether that comes to pass in the future, we'll see.
1: It's mainstream media as well not helping that. Like I I would ask my mum say if I want to send her some money. Yeah. If I like uh, if she's like if I owe her money need to send some back, I'll say mum send me your account number and sort code on WhatsApp and she'll say no, no I'm not putting oh, my, my mom I'm not putting my say, bank yeah. details on WhatsApp yeah. and I'll go mum you know WhatsApp's fully encrypted and she's like no you just you just never know who's all your data and bits like that. And it is just that complete lack of education on that front. They've just heard one thing on the news and turn it into absolute scaremongering and they just apply the word data to any sort of information yeah. ever online. And and yeah, it's it's honestly it's just not the case.
0: There's many levels to this. Let's talk about wearable tech, because this is quite interesting. This is I mean, th- again, this face- freaks me out. Facebook, they never they never cease to amaze me that in the midst of a data scandal, they can go away and say, oh by the way, we're working on this new computer uh, you're going to be we- able to wear it like a piece of, um, you know, like a helmet. And essentially, it's going to read your thoughts and type automatically what you're thinking. So ah! it's like a wearable keyboard that uses electrodes to kind of process your thinking. So yeah. the nearest thing i would relate it to is, I suppose, somebody like, um, you know, late Stephen Hawking you know, in, in this sort of device that could, yeah. you know, type and sort of, speak, you know, obviously using a screen this yeah. just takes away the screen and essentially it's just, you know one of the main ways of it communicates. communicate is obviously speech, but you know, you found a stat about this, didn't you? Where yeah. said they said that uh, I've
1: got it. I've got it written down. What here? Yes. Said our our brains produce enough data to stream four HD movies every second. The problem is that the best way we have to get information out into the world is speech, and that can only transmit about the same amount of data as a nineteen eighties modem.
0: Nineteen seventies. If it's a Monday morning and you've uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: which like yeah, Not it's mad. A so you can see the potential there. So. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the actual science obviously is completely lost on me, but the system is going to let you type straight from your brain like five times faster than what we'd be able to speak it, uh, which is just absolutely mental. Um, and yeah, like you said, of all times for them to bring this out when all eyes are on them, but it just goes to show they, they can just get away with murder. Yeah. They know that no one yeah. understands and they're like, you hey, same with Libra. I honestly don't understand why more people are up in arms about it. They don't understand it. It's
0: an audacity, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost so...
1: Things like this are positive as well, though. Um, so this, I don't even know what to call it, it's like Elon Musk's Neuralink thing, isn't it? yeah. Some sort yeah, of very brain very similar, transmitter yeah. system. But it could actually be really beneficial for disabled people. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of the, that audio-visual link, isn't it, and just making communication a lot easier for them on, the, on these platforms. So, you know, there are some positives there.
0: Definitely, yeah. And it wouldn't
1: th- surprise me entirely if they didn't lead with that.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah. I think, I mean, I've, I've read some stuff around it, and that was definitely the positioning and you could see how it can work in many, you know, use cases, people who have lost their voice for whatever reason. Uh, The tests for this were quite interesting. So, you know, it was basic questions at at the moment, like, so I think it was uh, a test of some people uh, in conjunction with the University of California in San Francisco, uh, whereby they'd ask, for instance, what's your favourite instrument? And this piece of tech would be able to Sort of detect the question, and then detect the answer, and between those two uh, sort of factors happening, kind of guess the answer. Mm. So somebody might say violin. So it's very simple at the moment, yeah. but I mean, we 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 have to remember at this stage that you know. It is simple one-word answers, but is essentially reading your mind and typing what you yeah, think. Yeah, it, so. it's
1: definitely a, a first step, but I think they even said, or Mike Zuckerberg said in his post, technology will have to get a lot more advanced before this is at the level they want it to be at, yeah, you know, what they're yeah. like, envisioning for it. But, you know, it, it is there. And, I, yeah, I was sort of trying to read a bit about that test, and part of it, I don't know if it's the other way around, was something like this uh, like device would try and like, communicate something back to the person. And every single word or like sound that it that it made, they would just feel as like a vibration. Mm. So after using it a certain amount of times, you'd be able to tell from the like the frequency of this vibration what it was trying to say. Yeah, which I thought was yeah. just mental.
0: Is is. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, there was a time where we used to call this minority report sort of tech, but now it just seems to be coming on. Yeah. More and Anything more. Anything
1: is possible if you just believe.
0: Exactly, yeah. Can we expect to see more sharp tweets from you using the Neuralink and this piece of tech? No.
1: Do you'll know be, what? You'll I be on fire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> huh? You won't need your fingers anymore.
1: <laughs> I was literally... Sometimes I need my fingers to slow me down to say, nope, <laughs> nope, don't post that. But I was thinking that earlier because sometimes when you have a thought, it's not cohesive. No. But I'll be thinking stuff and it, I can just, if I was to picture it, it would just be like things firing off and darting oh, in different exactly, directions. Yeah, so, how yeah. does it know what I'm trying to say? Unless you have to really focus on thinking a cohesive thought. Surely, like, there's going to be some interruption. Or maybe that's just my brain. I well, don't
0: know. It's, yeah. The, do you have to really zone in on a thought? Just, you must do. Otherwise, so how far know, it doesn't away, know what isn't it's reading. It, it's I get like completely... a million thoughts at once. So I mean, something we do know more about is Instagram. Yeah, and good old
1: simple Instagram.
0: Exactly, and what's been going on there? I mean, there's been loads of uh, we're seeing more filters again, more stickers and stuff. This is interesting because I feel like Instagram has gone a little bit quiet of late. Mm. And now uh, they're back. We saw recently that uh, there have been some tests to introduce a new green screen. Yeah. Filter Is it filter or was it sticker?
1: Um, a filter. A filter. A filter. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, this is sort of social first video 101, really, isn't it? Yeah. And this is quite I'd, – I I'd really see the potential uh, for meme culture within this. So, yes. you know, being able to create content and – essentially being able to swap out the background for... It's just static images at at present, isn't it? It's not videos or anything. Yeah, yeah. um,
1: So, yeah, it's a bit like... um, I can't remember if it was on Windows or iPhoto or on Apple, but, you know, like, everyone used to have those photo booths where you could take a picture and you'd replace the background and you're in an aquarium or you're you're by the Eiffel Tower on a roller coaster. It's a bit like that, but just more high-tech. Yeah, you can just replace the background with a static image. But i will be interesting to see how effective it actually is because all the things I've seen like that are a bit crap like they're not really good at telling what's background and what's not no, it'll like no. cut out half your head or or like it won't get it right so it would be interesting to see if they get that right but um, yeah what I've noticed off of the back of this is that Instagram has been has been giving us a lot of stickers, but it hasn't been updating its AR filters in months. Like it mm. hasn't given us a new one mm. in so long, or at least hasn't been making a big fuss about them. Um, but since Snapchat brought out that gender swap filter, which obviously went absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I think that might have had something to do with some users coming back to the platform because yeah. even I jumped back on Snapchat just to give that a go. It's have curiosity haven't opened the usually, isn't it? 100%. It's just that FOMO factor. You want to get involved. Yeah. Um, and then obviously FaceApp's massive popularity mm. recently. Mm. I'm seeing a bit of a trend of this um, these sort of viral AR filters coming into popularity. And so it's no surprise that Instagram wants to get involved.
0: Again, it's funny, doesn't it? It all feels very you know short form. It's this quick snackable sort of content that people, time and time again, keep coming back to, and that's more of what people want to see, especially with this green screen, which I think is going to be great. I think, like I said, the potential for meme culture and to play around with that—it's yeah. bringing these, you know, effects which could be deemed complicated to a really short, sharp, kind of easy to use sort of uh, mechanism. Yeah, so
1: that's it. I think that's where they're winning with stories. It's taking a really simple idea that people can get a lot out of.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. Even
1: though there's not much to it, like it is really simple, but the the possibilities are endless.
0: I see big potential for this green screen as well, because while we are starting with static photos now that you'd be able to swap the background out, I don't see why this can't be extended to videos later down the line mm. and live streams as well. I remember years ago, I think it was probably two years ago, Instagram or it would have been Facebook acquired a German startup company that specialised in moving and manipulating objects and pictures in live streams.
1: Oh, really? I feel that
0: went a little bit quiet. I thought, right, this is it. You know, that's I mean, cool. it's going to be. So we'll see all about that. So, yeah, that'd I mean, be maybe cool. we are entering a bit of an AR period again after some yeah, time dying down. Definitely. I, mean,
1: I think people are starting to find more uses for it. That would be cool because like, that's what I imagine the problem would be with video and stuff like. Because everything's moving around. Yeah, how, do you, yeah. how do you keep those boundaries clear? But They've obviously got the resource for it, if no one else has. We'll
0: yeah, they know what they're doing. And also, you know, on to, with, with quite a good note now, the donation sticker. So we spotted this today and we've got it. You've got it, I believe. Yeah. Finally. Yes. Um, you Still don't do not have it.
1: the music sticker, but I have the donation Still sticker. Still to this
0: day. Wow, well, it's going to be an ongoing saga on this podcast. I know. So, When so, yeah, I finally so get the, it,
1: everyone's going to be so happy for me.
0: We've got the donation sticker and... I think that's just going to change sponsorship. You know, it's always the you send around the just giving page and all of this. know, oh, I'm raising money for X, Y, Z. But this uh, new sticker and you will all have it. Uh, it's been in the US for a while, but you'll all have it now. will essentially let you put a sticker on and say, uh, you know, please donate to Cancer Research UK or yeah. PDSA or. You know, one of the uh, many, many charities out there.
1: Yeah, um, and I was surprised just how many charities there were. I was having a look earlier, and almost any charity, big or small, you can think of, is yeah. on there. We um, did a bake sale in the office today for Once Upon a Smile. So I had a look and see um, if they were on there, and they are. And they're oh, a very wow. small local charity, but they but they were on there. So Interesting to yeah, know how...
0: People, you know, if anybody can tell us how people sign up to that or, you know, if they've got I a list or I think you have to list register your it as a charity
1: on Facebook. Sure. Um, and Facebook first because not, like I was telling you earlier, I was trying to find Manchester Mind,
0: mm. um, but
1: I, they're not on Facebook, I don't think, because I couldn't find them when I was trying to do a birthday donation right. post uh, and they're not on Instagram either. So I think as long as you're registered uh, as an official charity via Facebook, you'll be able to be found on Instagram.
0: I mean for me this 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 does one of two things. So for starters and we've been talking about this for a while, the donation sticker in one sense of the word, it begins to normalize that behavior of making purchases on Instagram mm-hmm. or exchanging money or giving money. It just makes that, I feel like it's just a good play of making people more used to that. If mm-hmm. a friend's running a marathon, oh, sure, I'll donate some money to you. Oh, great, I can do it through Instagram. I don't yeah. have to do it for it. I don't have to do it for it. And eventually when Libra comes in, the new cryptocurrency, that will all be part of it, along yeah. with social commerce. The other side of it. It definitely shows Instagram's more wholesome side, which they're really trying to push at the moment. And this has come at a time where they are obviously banning likes from more countries and testing that. It's becoming a lot more wholesome, a lot Mm. more sort of how they probably want it, you know, this kind of nice, nice space, should we say. Yeah, yeah.
1: Instagram's like Facebook's uh, good twin. Facebook's the evil twin they're. Yeah, it makes sense for them, obviously, because Instagram is one of their most popular, if not the like the most popular asset that they have. Yeah. And, you know, even though it's part of Facebook, it doesn't get the bad press that Facebook does. So no, it makes sense all. that, you know, that, that's where they put their good vibes out.
0: Can you believe one billion? How many years was it again? One One billion that must have been the shrewdest buy ever. Oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: One billion dollars. Oh, yeah. wow. yeah, absolutely nothing now, isn't it? It's yeah, a special I, I make, offer. yeah. I'm excited to see um, how people start using the donation stickers as well because I've seen just a few because obviously it's been in the US for a while but it would be interesting to see people, you know, doing a bit more with it than just putting it on like a a blank uh, story post, like a static image, you know. You can really use that. I was having to think, earlier and you know how they um have their tv shows on like red nose day and children in need and they'll take you through a whole segment where you know someone or one of the celebrities will be you know at that location on the ground and they'll show a true personal story and then they'll prompt you to donate Mm, and you know stories called stories for a reason you've got a whole format there to build up a narrative you know make people care show people why and how this charity is associated with your business And then ask people to donate. You know, people can get really, really creative with it. Not to mention cause marketing campaigns. Yeah, many
0: opportunities for brands as well. Yeah, yeah, the ones who want to go like a step
1: further than just messaging and actually put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. Other people's money, I guess.
0: I mean, we had Calm on the podcast probably going back, you know, many months ago now. And uh, some of the work that they do with brands is definitely entering this period of you know a lot more authentic partnerships between brands and charities and also a lot of thought-provoking work you know we need to remember definitely can lines this year there was a lot of uh charitable works and and ties between brands and charities so yeah
1: definitely it's just like an an extra extra easy touch point isn't it instead of saying you know you have to ring this number to donate all you need to do is be on the platform that you're already spending your time on it's going to be a lot simpler for people so hopefully work like that can get a lot more out of it
0: definitely definitely and we got there eventually. Twitter. Now I know Yay! this is your, this is your golden time to shine. This a is sip obviously my yeah. My voice
1: is going. It's
0: your. Uh, I mean, Twitter has always been your baby, hasn't it? And I, <laughs> I do. You know, while I watch Twitter from the sidelines, I do find it still entertaining. And despite all the bad press, oh, this. It's great. Uh, it's great. This latest campaign from them again, really, really good. It's uh, based on. So they've done an ad campaign. It's been shown in San Francisco and New York. Uh, Subways at the moment on billboards, and it's a play on that meme where it's like me on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. me on versus me on Twitter, me yeah. on Facebook versus me on Twitter, me on Instagram versus me on Twitter. And to you know, to give you a bit of context, if you haven't seen the campaign yet, there's a picture of a horse with its like teeth out looking, you know, really silly, and it's like me on Twitter versus mm-hmm. me on LinkedIn or Instagram. It's yeah, like a stallion like that just headshot. looks absolutely so beautiful, funny. roaring mane, and all the rest of it. So, um. I mean, this is this 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 is a, it's a cool campaign, isn't
1: it? I literally love it. I think it's so clever. Um, and I saw a headline. I think it was on the verge that I was not happy with. It was like Twitter's latest campaign um, tries to prove that it used to be a fun place. I'm like, I, hang on, <laughs> a minute. It's still the it's still the most fun social media platform. And I will stand by that because it is just funny. Like it knows it's it knows it's daft. It knows it's you know trolls aside. If you like me have curated your timeline to be just full of absolute hilarity. There's plenty of that there. And it's not, you know, filtered like Instagram or full of stuff that you want to scroll yeah. past like on Facebook. It is, you know, it's a great platform. And recently they've done a few campaigns. This is my favorite. They've um, been going through this massive uh, tone of voice shift and they've changed everything to be a little bit more tongue in cheek, a little bit more of the witty and the, the mm, weird, mm. Uh, weird and wonderful place. And their slogan has always been, it's what's happening. Yeah. And their Twitter yeah. bio now has changed from it's what's happening to what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening? Which I just love. So for this campaign, they basically followed um, 28 people. They've unfollowed everyone even Jack Dorsey, Twitter's Twitter, has unfollowed everyone. Oh, zero for, followers. Yeah, right. Except for these twenty-eight people whose tweets they borrowed with consent for this campaign. Um, yeah, with the the me on Twitter memes and have put them out of home. <coughs> My throat is literally dying. Um, but yeah, so obviously it's it's a great campaign for them. But from like a wider brand perspective, what I really like about it is this 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 whole like UGC or user generated content ad campaign trend mm, that's coming out mm. so I likened it to the Kellogg's campaign when they recently Kellogg's UK recently brought out white chocolate Cocoa Pops Yeah, and to promote that so simple but so effective and so clever they basically dug out some old tweets some of them up to three years old mm, of mm. people uh, asking for white chocolate cocoa pops, or saying things like, "Oh my God, imagine how good white chocolate cocoa pops would taste." And they found all these old tweets, and then sponsored those tweets, uh, and targeted them to their target audience's timeline. So they mm. brought them back mm. to sort of create that idea of a demand before they fulfilled that demand. Yeah, so yeah. simple but so clever. And um, we're seeing we're seeing a few of these. Like there was, you know, that um, it's a bit of a weird product, but that poo puri that spray that you can get for oh that Jay yeah, was talking about it, last episode yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so um they did a UGC campaign as well at out of home in the subway and it was people's tweets talking about how good pooper is mm. and i just mm. think the format is so Like familiar to people, it stands out. You don't have to create this content; it's already there, and it's already relatable because it's by your audience. I just think it's like such a such a clever campaign idea that any brand, no matter what you're selling, can do.
0: It's it's funny that Twitter doesn't get that recognition for how sort of embedded into pop culture it is, Mm -hmm. because especially with. TV as well we have TV adverts that feature tweets we have uh, tweets that feature in uh, above the line and out of home campaigns and on billboards and it really has sort of, it, it, even news stories, yeah. every re- news story I read about something, they'll always say, one Twitter user said, one Twitter user said, you know, and yeah. another person added on Twitter. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, it really is
1: It is what's conversation.
0: happening. Yeah, it is, it, it is yeah. what's happening. Um, I literally you know. think
1: Twitter is culture. And that video that we've just done, so our latest research piece. Yes, um, that the, the, the data team did was the top tweets from the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, and you can see them sort of move over time. And after you look back on all of them, that's ten years worth of tweets. Every Trends, almost isn't yeah, it? yeah, Trend trending tweets, yeah. Uh, the trending hashtags. Almost every single one was like entertainment, sport, pop culture related. Yeah. Almost every yeah. single one, and it just goes to show like 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 what happens with Love Island every year. It just they feed into each other so well. Like you feels like you can't have entertainment without Twitter, and now you can't have Twitter without culture. Like it just goes hand in hand.
0: What, what interests me about Twitter recently is uh, the focus on monetization. So they've got this new metric as well for uh, measuring user numbers. And I believe it's two, you know, don't quote me on numbers, but possibly 213 million, I think now, uh, Twitter users. But it's daily, active, monetizable users. So it's that focus on monetization. So they seem to only count user numbers that they could rightfully monetize and as a result of that they're definitely seeing a lot more uh in terms of ad revenue per user coming in and mm. it's uh so you know the new destination for it but like what you said earlier with regards to snapchat twitter's definitely still got that strong usp and you know in this era of sort of uh saturation and populism and stuff. It really is the niches that seem to be winning.
1: You know I hate this word, but it's authentic. It is. (laughs) It is authentic. They are just being true to themselves and it's like, at the end of the day, Twitter is nothing but not a service you know it, it's a brand and like yep. any other brand the only way it's going to do well is if it stays true to who it is and things like these UGC campaigns are just brilliant ways of doing that a throwback to the Spotify one yeah um was it what was it like things that are most listened most yeah, listened to. so songs. the person
0: who listened to Ed Sheeran 50 times
1: yeah it's just it's just and little things, things like 24. that it's so simple but effective
0: exactly no I completely agree nobody is better at being Twitter than Twitter and, I mean, you mentioned uh, very quickly the data video that we've just made. It's been uh-huh. an exciting week here at Social Segway. Chain with the launch of Social Chain Data. Yeah. Big, big news. We're so, very
1: excited about it.
0: So we have essentially launched a consultancy service uh, run by Val and Alfie and Michael and a few of the guys uh, who we work uh, very closely with. Um, essentially, bringing the power of social first data to brands and showing marketers what they can do with social first data from mm-hmm. stuff like Twitter, from the insights it sort of throws up, and from monitoring trends to you know being able to uh, speak to our network for which you know extendable education, sport, food. Cars, everything. So, the list
1: goes on, doesn't it? Yeah. I was trying to list them all out before, and yeah, that that's it. That's where like we can really bring a point of difference to brands looking to do research into these different groups, because you know it's what 80, 80 million, 80 I think, million network. combined yeah. reach. Yeah. Of like yeah, everything from like as small as just Manchester United fans, even though there's loads of them, to like parents, students. Exactly. Food lovers, yeah. gym goers, fitness freaks—it's the full like, gamut,
0: isn't it? Yeah. It's—it it's, I think the 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 point of difference again is those niches, and you know, as we know with internet culture, it is the the land of niches, and mm. they get weirder and weirder and weirder. But yeah, essentially, bringing the power of social first data to more brands, to more marketers. Basically, showing people what they can do. I've, yeah. I've, I read a stat the other day uh, that we put out, and it basically said that more, you know, nowadays more consumer data is shared in a single minute than uh, a year of traditional market research could throw up. So it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, it's completely mad. Yeah. But
1: uh, I actually wrote it down. I don't know if it works, but it's like if you're saying it out loud or reading it in your head, but it's by the time I finish this sentence, there's going to be 55,000 new Instagram photos shared. 50. No, five no, five hundred thousand tweets. I'm sorry, I'm not good with numbers. Five hundred tweet, five hundred thousand tweets posted. One hundred eighty-eight million emails sent, and four point five million Google searches made just in that time.
0: That's just from our marketing department. Yeah, and it's
1: probably like, it's probably more than that because it took so right. long to get me words out. But yeah, the, so the point of this is obviously, uh, like our marketing uh, manager Pete was saying earlier, anyone can work with. Uh, you know, data tools like Crimson Hexagon and, uh, you know, all the multitude of things out there, like Social Blade. But it's being able to contextualise what that means and, yeah. you know, just knowing when to apply it. And data isn't always the sexiest topic. And certainly with Facebook stuff, it's not always everyone's favourite topic at the moment. But it's just so necessary right now. Yeah. Like it is. It's the it's like the life and soul of everything we do online. And if you're not understanding that, then you're not going to get anywhere.
0: Yeah. And it's the ability basically. to increase relevance, isn't yeah. it, and everything else. But yeah, but, but I mean, check out our, you know, our social channels and see what we're do- doing around a launch. And also the website is data.socialchain.com. So check that out as well.
1: Hashtag plug.
0: Fantastic. Right. I guess we will nothing less to, to say more now than to see you in September. Oh, that was a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> Until we're getting to the end of it, isn't it? <laughs> I've
1: been rubbing off on you. Can't get your words Exactly.
0: Out. Yeah, it's become infectious. Well, we'll see you in September, and you know, please enjoy this episode. And if you do, please remember to give us a review. If you want to hear what today. you think. Yeah, yeah exactly. We've got to get them all out while it's us. Yeah. I know. Fantastic. Right. Cool. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week.
0: This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson.